It says in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verses 29, that the secret things, secret things, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belongs to us and to our children forever. Secret things belongs to the Lord our God, and the things revealed belongs to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. There are things that are secret and there are things that are revealed. And to many people, things that are revealed are still secret because there are people that, that knows things that you don't know. If you were to know some things, your life would look a lot different than it looks right now. Imagine the things you don't know about business, uh, the things that you have to discover, the things you have to figure out how the world works around. If you knew those things, your life would be very, 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 very different. The, 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 why do you think people make this statement getting out of high school and they're about four or five years old and they make the statement, have you ever heard this? I wish I could go back to high school knowing what I know now. Has anybody ever said that? We make this, if, if, you, if, I could, if, I, if you could start life over, only you want to start it over with what you know now because, because it'll change everything if you had the information. So it implies that some, some things that you do, you don't know. You, you just don't have the information that you need. There are secret things. There are things that are hidden, that is hidden from you. There are things that, that, that people can experience in a different level of life, different continents that you can't experience. You don't know how that works. And sometimes that ignorance, they say ignorance is bliss. Sometimes it's easier if you don't know. If you don't know what you're missing out, it doesn't hurt as much. You, we don't have FOMO when we don't know that our friends went out without us. <laughs> But FOMO really starts when you realize they went out without you. The previous weekend when they did that, you didn't hurt. But when you began to know that they went out without that opens up a whole new level of problems for you because now you think, what did they say? The previous weekend they still went out, still spoke, still had a fun. You weren't there, but you didn't know you were not there. As you didn't know that what they said was an issue until you found out they went out without you. Then FOMO. So, so when you begin to know, you begin to know that you don't know. When things begins to happen like this. Now, the Bible says to us in Romans, do not be conformed to this world. Romans 12 verses 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not become like this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do not be conformed to this world. As a Christian, as a Christian, this is foundational understanding that when you got introduced to God and you got saved and you gave your life to him, God made your spirit man alive in you. He made you alive in Christ. You were born again. The Bible says you are a new creation. The old has passed. You are a new being. What you did up to that point has passed away and God says you are a new creation. Now, if he says that in Romans 12 verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, he says, now this new creation is like a sponge, like a, like a newborn baby sucks in all the information of its surrounding world. Even in the mother's womb, when you play music, it has an effect on the child. And even when you have a fight and an argument, it has an effect on the child is already having experiences of the world while in the womb. And even when, when born as a baby, it sucks in how the parents talk to one another. Now, when you're a new creation, the, the devil knows that this is a very good time to confuse your understanding of God. Because if he, if he can get that done, it becomes your frame of reference from where you live out your Christianity. So he tells us, do not be conformed 
to the patterns of this world. World and earth is two separate things. You, you have a world which means the systems that is in place, the governance that is in place, the culture that is in place. When it talks about the, the planet or the earth, it's, it's a different thing to, to world. World means uh, systems. It means the way that things are done. It's got nothing to do with the physical planet itself. It's got to do with, with how this thing is run. So it tells you, you, you should not conform to this world. Another verse says in, in, in 17, John 17 verses 14 says, I've given them your word and the world has hated them. Who is that? The earth can't hate you. The world, the systems hate you. So do not conform to this world. And because you are not to conform, this world hates you, it says. The world has hated them because they are not of the world. Your origin as a Christian is not this world. So don't conform to them because that's not where you started. Where they are and what they do has no bearing on who you are and what you ought to be. So don't conform to this world. It says in John 17, the world hated you because you are not of this world. It's so funny that we are not of this world, but we want to be liked by this world. And we want to use this world's rules of engagement. And we want to use this world's systems to our advantage. And we want to have this world give us uh, affirmation and support. God says, don't be like them. They hate you. That is not your start. You are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. So here is the bad news. Don't be like them. They don't like you. You don't come from them, but God's not going to take you away from them. You're in the world, not of the world, but he's not going to take you out of the world. So he put you in the world and he warns you, now that I put you in the world, don't be like the world and recognize that the world will hate you because you are not like them. They will hate you because you are not like them. You can't be like them because you don't come from them. You're not of this world. But you would expect me to take you out of the world. I'm not going to take you out of the world. So there is something about you not being like the world in the world, but not of the world, not to be conformed to them, not liked by them, but have to remain in them. He says in Mark 16, this is our great commission. And he said to him, go into all the world. So you are not to be like the world. You have to expect to be hated by the world. And you have to know that God's not going to take you out of the world. And you have to understand that God is sending you to the world. You have something they don't have. Why is it that Christians live like the world has something they can't have instead of living like you have something that the world needs? We want the world to accept us as if their acceptance is more valuable than what we have. We should turn the tables upside down. That's why it says when, when those who were of the way went through the region, they turned the world upside down. It was upside down for the normal people that was of this world, but they just turned it back to the normal that God had in mind. When you go into the world, you should bring this norm and this understanding that what you have is what they need and stop living like they have what you need. You shouldn't contend for their attention. They should contend for yours. We want their acceptance, except, except that's not where the value lies in their acceptance. 
Because the, in their world, the lights are off. They, their God is the prince of darkness of this world. That's what the Bible says. And your God is the God of light. And so you walk in the light, they walk in darkness. And yet you want those who cannot see to approve of what they cannot discern or measure. We're not of this world. The Bible says we are not of this world. There is something different about us. There is something peculiar about a Christian. Yes, when it rains, it rains on the sinner and the saint alike. But there's something different about the sinner when the rain falls on him. Because there's something in us that makes us different. Now Jesus talks to his disciples and he says in John 14, you can page with me to John chapter number 14. And we read from verses 12. And this is Jesus having spent three years with his disciples. He's getting closer to the end. And he's beginning to reveal to them that, that there are, there's going to be a change in how things are done. It says, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Put that on the screen, John 14, 12. You have to line that under the, in your Bibles. If you have an electronic Bible, you have to use the, the function highlighter and you have to highlight that scripture because this is biblical. Why would God tell you things in the Bible that is completely irrelevant to 2023? Because the Bible, if we say it's a book unlike any other book, that it was written and the written word is a, a word that is alive in 2023. It is just as relevant today as it was in, 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 in the days that it was written and inspired by the Holy Spirit. That verse, ah, so many people don't want to believe that. And they would contend that that's why they call you a cult. Because if you believe in anything that is supernatural, you're stupid. They're fine with you having an idea that there has to be a divine creator, an architect, somebody that made this, an intelligent being, but that there is a complete disconnect between us and him. That's fine. If you believe that, that's happy. But the moment you begin to believe that that entity has a relationship with you and affects your world through you, that's completely problematic. And you even have Christians has to argue that out of scripture. But this, why would that verse be in the Bible? He says to his disciples, why do I, why do I care what Jesus said to his disciples if it has no bearing on me? Why would that, what, what value does this? Most of I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. Except the day that I go to heaven, then he won't do those works anymore. Because then that season is past. Jesus did many signs and miracles and signs and wonders. Uh, and he did that for a specific reason, to prove his deity, prove that he is God come in the flesh, to prove that, that the kingdom of God is at hand and this is how the kingdom operates. He proves the difference between the kingdom of this earth and the kingdom of heaven. He, he did all the signs to make these various things become real and vivid. And then when he leaves, he gives a great commission, command to the disciples. He says, now you go make disciples. So he got to make disciples with signs and wonders, except you are not allowed to make disciples with signs and wonders. So, so Jesus, who is God, needed to do signs and wonders for, him, for people to believe him. But you in 2023 can't do any of that and have to convince people that he is real. I don't think that's what he implied. Put that verse back up there. He says, go, uh, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also 
will do also and greater works than these. He, he doesn't say you 12. Moses, I said you, you 12 who believe in me. Because honestly, Judas didn't believe in him. And doubting Tom as well. It's in the name. The works that I do and greater works than these, he will do. Why? He gives us the answer. He says, because I go to my father. How will you, when did that happen? So he tells us, so this is an argument. Anytime somebody tells you prophecy has passed away, there's no such thing as prophecy. Well, then you're not a Christian. Because he says, when do you think that happened? That last part there, John 4. Moses, I say, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. What works? Do you think Jesus ran a soup kitchen? Is that the works Jesus did? And your soup kitchen in 2023 is twice as big. Do you think Jesus visited the local politician's office and signed up to pack sandwiches? What works is he talking about? Did he go in the streets of the cold and hand out blankies? What works is he talking about? He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, because I go to my father. So it can't be the 12 disciples only, because it only happened after he goes to the father, it begins. I go to my father. He gives us an important understanding that you have to have as a Christian. The greater works began after Jesus left. The greater works didn't, wasn't happening while Jesus was on the earth. This is important to understand, to, to understand where, where, where I'm going with this. Young person, you have to pay attention. He says, verse 13, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. So the Father is glorified when the Son does the work. And so whatever you ask the Father, the Son will do so that the Father is glorified by what the Son does. So the Son, we, we know now that the Son is going to the Father and the Father will be glorified when the Son responds to our prayer. Whatever we ask the Father in the name of the Son, that He will do. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's verse 14. And we get to verse 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you another the word another should be underlined helper that he may abide with you for how long so you don't have the Holy Spirit until you leave earth it's not like a, a, a spiritual guru or a spiritual guide like your spirit animal some of you budgies Imagine you sit down and you're trying to figure out what your spirit animal is and like, cockroach. <laughs> he doesn't stay with you for a few weeks, a few days. He abides with you. He, let, me, let me read that helper, that he may abide with you. Abide doesn't mean visit. The Holy Spirit doesn't visit you. The Holy Spirit doesn't every now and then check in with you. He doesn't check in with you. He abides with you. He abides with you forever. He is a, another helper. I will pray the Father and He will send you another helper. Another. 
One like me, but another one. Like me, but not me. I will pray the Father, and He will send you, give you another, another, another helper. Helper. Helper is the key word here. One to help you. One like me that's going to help you, but not me. It's, these things will begin to happen to you when I go to the Father. When I go to the Father, I will pray Him that He will give you another helper to stay with you. To stay with you, abide with you. For how long? Forever. So you have the Holy Spirit. I have my wife until I die. But I have the helper for eternity. So there is a relationship that will last longer than my marriage. There is a relationship that will last longer than my lifetime. There is a relationship that I will carry into eternity. He is called the other helper. The word there is paraclete, parakletos, paraclete. He is the other helper. I will pray my father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Then he gives that line thing, which means he is explaining who this is, the spirit of truth. He calls the Holy Spirit the other helper, the helper like Jesus. Jesus is called the way, the truth, and the life, the spirit of truth. I will give you another helper. And the first thing we learn about this helper is that he is the spirit of truth. So you cannot be helped if you don't pursue truth. He can't help you if you can't change. Because that means that you assume that you're already in truth. I often preach from this perspective that you have to realize you have to change. It is impossible to think that you're going to journey through life and never change. I am consistently going through changes in my life. Every season demands different things from me. And what I knew and understood and how I did things in the previous season just doesn't cut it for this season. It's not good enough. I have to change. I consistently change. And he is another helper. And he tells us this helper is what you have to know about this helper because it helps you discern that you're not being led by a different spirit, not the right spirit, but the spirit of God, that this helper is the spirit of truth. This helper is the spirit of truth. Watch. Whom the world cannot receive. You're in this world. You're not of this world. So don't be like this world. They don't like you. They hate you. You don't come from them. Don't be like them. You're not of this world. You're in this world. I'm sending you to this world, but the world cannot receive what I give you, that when you walk into this world, do not be like this world. You have something in you, and the world can't see it. The world cannot see what I'm about to give you. So when you try and explain it, they don't receive it. It's because they can't receive the spirit of truth. They're so blinded in the lies that they live in that the truth that is in you, supposed to be in you, they cannot receive. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. You know him. You notice that he calls this spirit. Spirit means without body. Spirit means that you cannot see him. He is not seeable. The world doesn't see him. He doesn't have a body. The world cannot see him. Put the verse back up there. He knows him, but you know him. The spirit, you, it, he says it's the spirit of truth. You notice that he's not referring to him by, he, by our preferred pronouns. 
for him. He tells us it's a, not a it or a ye. It's a him. So the, there shouldn't be any confusion. This is not the NIV that's trying to assign gender to the words. This is the King James Version. So he refers to the Holy Spirit as not it or a thing or a ghost as a him. So he, you can't be a him. He refers to him in the masculine. The Holy Spirit is not. I understand that we talk about God without, that he is without gender. But in the terms and the reference of our understanding, he is in the masculine, him. He is him. And that if it is a him, it's not an it. He is a person. Because he can't be a him without a personality. So him is a person, a person. And that's why we say he is a person in the Holy, in the Trinity of God. In the book of Genesis, we are introduced to the Holy Spirit first. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was in the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The first introduction to God in his Trinity is to the Spirit of God in the book of Genesis hovering over the face of the water. It is the Spirit of God that we see first. The Spirit of God is a hymn. And if it is a him, this him is quite important because he replaces Jesus on the earth. He replaces Jesus on the earth. Watch. He says, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Why do you know him? For he dwells with you and will be in you. He dwells with you and will be in you. That's two things. So paraclete means one called alongside. He dwells with me, so he is with me. Where I go, there he is with me. I take my wife with me on holidays. But he is also not just with me, he is also in me. He has two functions, to be with me and to be in me. Now Jesus says, I will pray the Father and he will send another helper. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because the world cannot see him. He will be, but you will know him because he will be with you and he will be in you. As a Christian, you get to know who the Holy Spirit is. Now, without the Holy Spirit, you can't know Jesus. Without the Holy Spirit, you can't know the Father. Without the Holy Spirit, you can't know the things not seen. Without the Holy Spirit, you don't know secret things. Without the Holy Spirit, if the world can't see it nor know him, everything about God is hidden from them. So without the Holy Spirit, you don't have anything that belongs to God. So before you have Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. Well, if that sounds like heresy, give me time to explain. Don't quote that in isolation because it will confuse you. But you can't have Jesus without the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of truth, the spirit of grace. He is the spirit that reveals God the Father to you. He is the one that comes to glorify Jesus. He does nothing of his own accord. He does only what Jesus tells him to do. He is the spirit of God. Watch. He says in verse 15, um, 
he, uh, verses 17, for he dwells with you and he will be in you. And I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. So he is saying to them, I will go to the Father and I will pray him and he will send you another one like me and you will not be orphans. Jump with me to John chapter number um, 14, 25 first and then we'll jump to 16. These things I've spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, just to clarify the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Not some things, all things. You have access to all things when you have the Holy Spirit. Except that we sometimes don't recognize the Holy Spirit. We don't appreciate the Holy Spirit. We don't understand that the Holy Spirit is called alongside us and he is in us and he is supposed to teach us and he replaces Jesus on the earth for us. The Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all, remembrance all things that I said to you. So whatever Jesus is doing cannot reach you without the helper. So he helps you in your amnesia. He helps you in your forgetfulness, the Holy Spirit. Church, there is a large denomination in South Africa and many other denominations that is diminishing the role of the Holy Spirit merely to say that the Holy Spirit is doing a very quiet, behind the scenes type of work in your life. Well, it seems to me that, the, that when Jesus was walking around, let me bring this all together, the disciples was not walking in the world and nobody saw Jesus. Okay? When Jesus was walking into a city, they don't go like, oh, there's Peter and there's John and there's Matthew. They went like, there's Jesus. And then the disciples got in the mix and said, stop, don't touch the master. And Jesus would turn around and say, stop it. They're not here for you, they're here for me. Don't hinder the, these little children. Don't hinder her. Uh, who was thronging and pressing against me? The disciples said to him, everybody's pressing. What do you mean, Jesus? And Jesus is that woman. So they weren't there for them, they were there for Jesus. So when Jesus says, I'm sending you another, why is he saying that? Because Jesus says it's better, because what Jesus is in John 1, it's, 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 it's God come in the flesh. So Jesus says in the beginning was the word, the word was God and the word was God. And Jesus, Jesus dwelt amongst us, it's, it's, it's God come in the flesh. It's the divine that decided to pour out himself in a vessel locked in a location. It is said that Jesus never traveled more than 300 miles from his birthplace. So in all the time that Jesus was on the earth, he never moved more than 300 miles. Never, never went beyond 300. He never visited another continent like America. Never went to New York City. Never stood at Times Square. Jesus was locked in. So God, who is God, limited his movements by becoming a man of flesh. So when Jesus was on the earth, you could see him, but he was only able to have a relationship with 12 disciples. Be amongst a few people. I wonder if Jesus was on planet earth now with flights and airplanes and everywhere I wonder what church Jesus would attend. Can we play with this for a second? 
I wonder which church Jesus would walk in and based on what we've been taught about him would recognize him. I wonder which denomination he would attend. Which one be have a teaching so close to who he is. I wonder which group of friends he would hang around with. Would he hang around presidents, sinners? Would he be in a bar? Would he be in a church? The problem is Jesus could only be in one place at one time. He says, it's better that I go to the Father because I'm locked in a location because I'm in a body. I'm still God, but I'm in a body. And I honor the rules that I made myself that a body can only be at one place at one time. So I'm here. This is where I'm at. So it's better that I go to the Father so that I can send you me, but another one, another way, me. So all that I am, me, but another one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and help you make this clear. So the Holy Spirit, if Jesus was in the lead, he says to the disciples, follow me. He doesn't say to them, lead, I'll follow. He, he tells them, I'm here to serve, but he says to Peter, follow me. Peter left all he had and followed Jesus. Now we see another one of him who is not limited by location, and we think he follows us. We think that his job is to make us prominent. Am I at least saying anything? If, if everybody was following Jesus, Jesus walks into a room. He is the miracle worker. We think when he sent another one, him, but another one. There's three, God the Father, God the Spirit, God the, God the Son. God the Son is in the flesh. He is the Spirit of God. So Jesus had to go. If Jesus stayed, he couldn't come. And he can only come if Jesus goes. You don't have Jesus and the Holy Spirit on the earth at the same time. Where's Jesus? Seated on the right-hand side of the Father, making intercessor, intercessory prayers. for. He says, I intercede with the Father for you, which is also the same word, paraclete. So Jesus is being the paraclete in heaven, the one that's interceding for you, helping you, while the Holy Spirit is on the earth. He is another one. So he is like Jesus, but not Jesus. He is God manifest in the Spirit. Now the Spirit comes, do you think that He's walking into the room behind you? Pushing you? Do you think He's here to reveal you? We talk about the Holy Spirit as if the Holy Spirit's role is to promote our ministry so that I can be, I have so, I, we want one more of you. Why do we want more of Him? So that we can reveal more of us. The, the function of the Holy Spirit is to continue what Jesus did just everywhere. The function and the work of the Holy Spirit is to do what Jesus did through us and in us everywhere. It is still to reveal, okay, let me finish this. John 16, he says, but now I go away to him who sent me and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. You know why? Because Jesus, I can see. I can see Jesus. I mean, if Jesus was sitting in front of you, you could see him. It's easy to follow Jesus. That's why it's easy to follow a boyfriend or a girlfriend, even if they lead you away from God. You can at least see them. You can't see God. 
So the disciples had spent three years with Jesus. He says, but, but because I've said to you these things, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I did not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. If I don't go, he won't come. I have to go so that he would come. You have this helper, the Holy Spirit, that took the place of Jesus on the earth. And as the disciples sat around Jesus in Jerusalem, you can't. You couldn't. And even if Jesus was on the earth, there wouldn't be space for us to sit around him because he is a physical being. That you had to be physically in the room to sit close to him. A room can only have that many people. So he says, it is, so why do we think that changed when he says, I go, but the Holy Spirit comes. And now we think that we sit in the middle and the Holy Spirit sits behind us. When they were in the room, they sat around Jesus, asking Jesus to teach them. They called Jesus the rabbi, teacher. They called Jesus the teacher. He said, teacher, I have all this wealth and I've been keeping all the commandments. What should I do? That's what they refer to Jesus. Now the Holy Spirit takes his role, but the role of Jesus being at one place is now spread across the face of the planet. So you can be in Pretoria and have Jesus, the Holy Spirit with you. So when I go home tonight, I don't have physical Jesus, but I have spirit Jesus. I have God in the spirit, in me and alongside of me. The Bible says where two or three gather together, there he is in, in our midst. Jesus is there. But how is Jesus there if he is in heaven? He is there through the Holy Spirit that reveals us the Son. He says, if, if two agree on a matter, so shall it be. The Holy Spirit and my spirit testify that I'm a son of child of God. Where two agree on a matter. So you have the Holy Spirit. When you say, I'm alone, you're not alone. You're discounting the person, a person the Holy Spirit, you may not see him, but he is there. Talk about people have imaginary friends. You have someone that you don't have to imagine is there that is physically really there. He is called the Holy Spirit of God. He is a person. People talk about talking, talking to angels. Why would I talk to angels if I can talk to God? Why do I need to send angels if the Holy Spirit is with me? Right here alongside of me. And in me, I have God in me, but I want to speak to his messengers. I don't want to speak to the secretary of the company. I want to speak to the CEO. I don't want to speak to the one that types the emails. I want to be, speak to the one that tells the one that types the emails what to type. You have the Holy Spirit with you. Now the Holy Spirit knows all the deep things of God. The things you don't know, He knows. The Holy Spirit knows what you don't know. Because where is the Holy Spirit? Alongside you. Which means that you're not alone on this journey. Where is the Holy Spirit? He's inside you. The Holy Spirit knows about you the things you don't know about you. The Holy Spirit knows every... When you pray and say, God, I thank you for my life. The Holy Spirit knows you're lying and you want to commit suicide. Holy Spirit knows you lying. You don't know anything about his love. Donkey for my cause. The Holy Spirit knows you're not even praying for your food. You just assume you should have it. He knows every intricate part. And yet he wants to be in you. And he is in you in spite of you. 
And he wants to have a relationship with you. And he wants to lead you. He is called the helper. And Jesus knows the deficiencies that we have in our lives. And he knows the dysfunction in which we operate daily. And yet he says, I go to the Father so that the Holy Spirit may come. Because I am outside of you and I see you and I know your thoughts. But there is a spirit that will be in you and with you. And you will not be alone. So I send you into the world. Don't become like the world. You're not of this world. But I'll send you someone else. That when you go into the world, he'll go with you into the world. You will not walk into the world alone. My Holy Spirit is with you. And this Holy Spirit is called the paraclete of God, the helper. Now, he, he says, it's your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I depart, he will send him. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and see me no more, and you will see me no more. Of judgment because the rulers of the world is judged. He's the one that convinces and convicts and causes to understand. I have many things to say to you, but, I, but you cannot bear them now. However, when He, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you into all truth. He will lead you into all truth. He will not follow you to truth. You don't tell Him what you know. You ask Him what He knows. You don't suggest to him how it should be done. You ask him, how do you want us to do it? He is not a servant spirit. He is God's spirit. He doesn't follow. He leads. We are holy. If you are led by the flesh, you will, you will commit sins and adultery and all of these things. The desires of the flesh will overpower you. But if you are Holy Spirit led, he is a person. The Bible said that he can be offended. You can reject him. Like, the Bible says the Holy Spirit appeals to us and we can push him away. He teaches us through scripture that we can push the Holy Spirit away and reject what he teaches us. But the Holy Spirit by God's design is in us to lead us and he knows all things of God. The things you struggle with better than the pastor you want the counseling from, the Holy Spirit knows. The problem, the reason we can't accept him is that you don't want the spirit of truth. And the pastor might say it's more softly than the spirit. To, you know what's wrong. Most of the things you want counseling for, you know what's wrong. The things that's bothering you at night, you know what they are. And if you were to ask the Holy Spirit to start with you, he's going to whisper in your ear and you'll have to begin to fix things. But if you begin to do that, the, the things that you see Jesus do, the signs that you see me do, you will do greater things than this. How do you do it? Because God is not in heaven. He is with you. Now he's taking your hand. He is leading you out. He is called alongside you. He is in you. He knows all things. When you need to pray, you can ask him, Holy Spirit, how? Lead me. Teach me. And the Holy Spirit has been given to us. He is the third person in the Holy Trinity of God. He lives in you. He knows all things. He can lead you. And when you pray, you can whisper to him and say, God, help me. When I pray in the tongue, it's not me praying. My, my mind is unfruitful. But my spirit is praying mysteries unto God. It's the God's, it's God's Holy Spirit working in me, busy praying. And my flesh is merely yielding to God and he begins to lead. I wonder how many of us are missing out on the things of heaven because we don't know that we have the person of the Holy Spirit with us. When we insist on living in a lie, when we insist on believing what we believe, we are rejecting the work of the Holy Spirit. We are saying to the Holy Spirit, we got this. And the Holy Spirit is not a spirit that will force himself on you. He is not a possessor like a demon. He's called the comforter. He folds his arms, stands back and says, I still love you, but you do you.
What shall I say? Jesus, I want to close with this, was the helper here on the earth. He took the disciples, they were catching fish. He says, cast your nets on the other side. Put it on the other side, same water. A miracle happened. He helped them have a great catch. Peter was sinking in water. Jesus takes his hand, pulls him out of the water. Peter is saved. He helped him. 5,000 people are hungry. Jesus walks up to them, breaks bread, feeds 5,000 people. He's helping them. They're sitting on a mountain. They don't know what's happening. Jesus is explaining the Beatitudes on, on Mount of Olives. He's helping them, teaching them. He sees a guy whose child has died. He says, your child is healed. Your faith. That centurion man. No, it was a servant of the centurion man. And the girl, 12 years old, who died. And the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. He went about helping people. He says to us, another helper is coming. We're not doing the work the Holy Spirit does. We're merely being. Jesus took a body and filled it with himself, God. God is taking our bodies. I no longer live, but Christ lives through me. Is your body a temple of the Holy Spirit? Can he use your life to reach people? Can you surrender to him and say, God, you are my companion for life. You are God with me. God with me. When I go home tonight, the, I have, God is not as far as that I have to whisper, to shout for him to get his attention. It's as close as a whisper. I'll close with this. I'll try my very, very best. Samuel and Eli is in the same house. God calls to Samuel. Samuel. Samuel wakes up. Who was that? He hears God calling to him, but doesn't know what to do with it. He goes to Eli, who knows what to do with it, but no longer hears God. Eli knows how to deal with the things of God, but his season is done. God is speaking to the next. But the next doesn't know what to do because he, the, this is how God keeps the generations attached. The previous generation knows how God works, but God is now speaking to what is next. It's not, it's not that God is not speaking to them anymore, but what they had to do was done. Baton is passed. But God's Spirit is moving through all generations. And we need one another. We need to know how God works and how God is doing things. And we need the Spirit of God to reveal to us how these things are to be done. So when, you, when we have a spirit of honor and integrity, we can pull on the understanding of those that went before us. And we can pull it into our now. And so through all of them, it's the same Spirit. When you lay hands on people and they get healed, it's not you are talented and I'm not. It's the same Spirit. And it wasn't you. And when someone sings and glorifies God and it's done well, it is the same Holy Spirit in her that is in me praying for someone here and they get healed. It is the same Spirit in you that is leading someone to Jesus Christ. It's one Spirit, one God, one Gospel. And we are all made children of God by this one Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Let us not neglect the ministry and the gift that is the Holy Spirit in our lives. When He begins to move in us, what do you think becomes possible for the Christian?